I just clicked to record, so... Oh, wow. Okay. I'll, I'll start by saying, so how do we want to introduce this, Mike? And what are we doing here tonight? It's a great question. Uh, we're going to jump into it head first because we had no warning anyways, so let's just jump in. Uh, we want <laughs> to welcome you back to the Sound Logic podcast. We've been taking a break, and during that break, uh, one of the most exciting and jarring things that could have happened... Uh, pertaining to our podcast happened rolling stone has re-released their brand new revamped from scratch 500 greatest albums list which is what we were working through for the past year and a half the list from 2012 we knew this would happen we just didn't know when and my ear wasn't really to the ground but guys i i didn't hear anything about this before we go any further um (laughs) <laughs> this is Mike and Ben from the Sound Logic Podcast, but we have special guest Brad Efford with us. Brad is from the RS500 website where he wrote, uh, he and a bunch of his uh, writing friends wrote essays on the 2012 list. That ended about a year and a half ago. And Brad joined us not too long ago discussing album number 60 on the 2012 list, uh, Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart. Uh, but Brad pointed out before we got going here tonight that um, we recorded all the way back in May. Uh, the right. global pandemic has changed our perception on time. So it's actually <laughs> been several months since we last spoke to Brad. Yes. And uh, we thought uh, as the news broke of this new list, he's someone who made it through 500 albums. How is he, how is he feeling about this moment in time versus right. us who are sort of 60 albums into a 500 album project? And he had lots of thoughts about it uh, in our very early messaging back and forth and we thought hey let's bring brad in for um a reflection on what just happened what is what is shaking us (laughs) what we want to do and maybe brad will start with you we want to talk about uh, uh, different details about it the way that it was created what's different from the 2012 what's different from the 2003 list but before we do that brad would you give us just some opening thought? What was your initial reaction when you heard it had happened and then you started reading through it? Anything just pop into your head right away? Uh, my initial thoughts were that I was really glad that I made it through the 2012 list before <laughs> this happened. Um, and actually, I mean, we spoke four months ago. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my initial thoughts was... Uh, that I told you guys that this would happen in that conversation <laughs> in that conversation that we had four months ago. If you go back and listen to it. This is going to take us over 10 years to do. Yep. And we're, we are shaking in our boots that at any moment in the next nine <laughs> years, they're going to announce an updated list. And you, then, yeah, you know uh, that it's, it's uh, been, it's been almost 10 years since the last list. Everybody on Rolling Stone is in quarantine. They need stuff to do. You know that right now. They oh, they God. are putting together their pitch for the next list. I guarantee you. I'm sorry, guys, but you just got to shift gears halfway. Now was the time when a new list was going to come out. So <laughs> when I saw it come out, that that was one of the first things I thought of. Um, oh, prophetic I, words. Yeah, I I feel like it was a long time coming because um, the 2012 list didn't 
make too big of changes from the O3. Yeah. Like the changes weren't like a seismic kind of a change. They were sort of just adding some things here and there and maybe taking mm -hmm. a couple things out. Um, so I was excited to see it because I know that the staff at Rolling Stone has changed. And um, one of the first things I read about it was that they had pulled all these different like artists, especially who were much uh, like um, younger and just a more like in inclusive list of people. So to see that excited me right away, just because I kind of knew that it, it felt more of like a, a real shift of what mm -hmm. this list could look like. And then um, when I, I started by looking at the top 10, um, just because that's kind of felt like the right thing to do to be like, has anything changed in the top 10? And as soon as I saw that the, the top 10 had like radically changed, mm. um, just wildly changed, that was when I got really excited about it because I was like, I bet you they made huge changes throughout this whole list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that was sort of my initial reaction was, you know, it was whatever it was, a Tuesday maybe. So it was a work day. So I had to be at work all day, but kind of throughout the day here and there, I would like grab a peek of what was on the list. And every time I kind of scrolled through it, there would be new exciting items on it that were shaking me up a little bit. So yeah, it, it excited me. I, I like this list a lot, actually. I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of talk about it. What about you, Mike? How did, uh, how did the news hit you initially? Uh, my first response was WTF. Um, <laughs> <laughs> immediately with, you sent it to me. You texted a link to me and, and I had to read it two or three times to really like, no, they can't have just done it like out of the blue. You know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I know Brad said this, but I, I took it as like sort of a joke, but sort of like, yeah, you know, they'll probably start talking about it and they'll say, you know, there'll be something in, in a few years, maybe. Uh, I didn't know if they would even do another one at all. Um, right. Because like our albums even important anymore. And mm -hmm. I mean, this is, I think is showing us they really, really are. But first I, I was just surprised, just so surprised. And then I started immediately thinking about well, what does that mean for the future of our project? <laughs> yep. This is a project yeah, where, yeah. you know, you you know what this is like, Brad. You were so invested in something, and it has really become kind of an extension of who we are and how we're expressing ourselves. Uh, it's been a great thing. Ben and I, you know, as you know, have a longstanding friendship. This has only strengthened our friendship and created this new space for us to interact more than we have in the last 20 years which has just been awesome and now this thing has happened that just totally mm -hmm. turns it upside down so i think just the shock of that took me a bit and then i was at work as well so i wasn't able to look at it i was trying on my phone and the way the the website is set up just isn't great on a it's, cell yeah. phone um yeah. it, it's hard it's better on a computer so i i took a few peeks but i did the same thing i went to the top 10 i wanted to see what was there and that was really exciting just to see the diversity in the top 10 yeah um uh you know i or, or can we talk about it can why don't we, we save we... why don't we save the okay i'm so okay i won't 10. say specific i won't say specific <laughs> <comments. laughs> breaking an unspoken rule we haven't established that um the first, uh, we're going to talk about these things, but I was so excited. One of an album 
that I hadn't heard before you and you and I, Ben, went through the list that has become one of my favorite albums. And I, I think you could say actually the same thing about a different album uh, is up in the top three. And for me, I was so excited. It's an album that's important, has become yeah. important to me. It's an album that was very important to my wife. In fact, she recorded the review with us um, and it is in the top three. That was yeah. super exciting to see. Uh, uh, it took us last time till the 30th album to get to a female artist. Yeah. And to that's have two huge. of them, two of them in the top 10 and then more as you get through yeah. 30 yeah. by the time we get to 30 we've had at least half a dozen um what's really really exciting to see that group of people acknowledged um and there's there's lots more diversity as well on the list as a whole and that is because of course yes totally agree with you brad because of who is voting this time and the cross section that they got to vote so uh at first i was shocked a little scared but once i started looking at it very excited and very happy. <laughs> and uh, it, you know, Ben, I think in one of our discussions, you said it really, really agrees with a lot of things that we've been saying. And it's like, yeah. well, who's, <laughs> what is the demographic, the, at least let's just go age, the age demographic of the artists who are voting there, there are age 30s, or 40s. Yeah. Or 20s, 30s, 40s, 20s, people yeah. who are making music now who grew up listening to a lot of the music we listened to. And mm -hmm. that music was influenced by some of the other groups in the 60s, 70s that haven't that weren't on the list before because that hadn't worked its way through yet. So anyways, mm -hmm. I don't want to go on and on and on. But um, well, I, mean... I think <laughs> well, I do, but I won't. Um, uh, I, uh, shocked, surprised, then excited. How's that? Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I resonate with much of what you've both said. I think um, it was interesting also to get reactions from some of our listeners. Uh, Thomas right. Bona, who was uh, a guest on a, a past episode, was the one to send to tip me off initially, and um, uh, you know he was kind of excited and and also kind of chuckling to himself that we now have a, a problem to solve on our hands uh, with what do we do with this podcast. Um, my friend Josh, who uh, has not been a guest, but has offered us his top, uh, reconstructed top 10, I think when we did the the uh, ranking after 50 albums, um, he, uh, he said it's a more inclusive list, but for him, it doesn't feel as much like a classic rock what he thinks of as the genre that Rolling Stone primarily focuses on. So in an effort to become more inclusive, he feels like it's become less Rolling Stone. Uh, and, and I think that probably both of those are, are true in some sense. It's really interesting to have that dynamic occur. Um, yeah, I, just like the two of you, I immediately went to the top 10 and was interested there. Um, some of the sort of heavy hitters from, the original two lists have, have really been bumped down mm -hmm. and uh, it'll be interesting to talk through, through some of that with you all. Um, the, the piece of uh, news around in, in the sort of pitch article that accompanied the new list talked about 154 new albums uh, were added to this list that mm -hmm. were not on the previous iteration. And that to me was the thought of like, Oh wow. Like not only what do we do as a podcast, but, this is a suddenly, uh, you know, like 
more than a, a fifth of the music, uh, um, right. 20% is, is suddenly going to be new as we go through this. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, that's, that's going to be really interesting, if, uh, depending on what our path forward looks like. <laughs> um, I do have a bunch of details. I don't know if we want to dive into those, uh, right out of the box here before we start to talk through some of what's on this list. Uh, I think it would be good like for next step? for context. Okay. Uh, just so that, you know, we can kind of lay the groundwork as okay. to how it was created and and yeah, I, I would love that. Details, 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 details. Okay, so a few details. Um you you've heard Mike and I talk about a spreadsheet that we have been um keeping on our own as we've been going through this project. It helps us compare the 2012 list with the 2003 list and the coffee table book that came out in 2004. Um, the The original 2003 list was uh, pulled from a, a selection of artists and producers in the music industry, um, mostly uh, some celebrities thrown in there as well, but mostly older white men, which is a fairly normal thing to do in our culture. Um, the coffee table book was an attempt to editorialize those decisions and it cleaned it up a little bit. It removed some of the, um, compilation albums that were on that first list. And then the 2012 list was an effort to merge the first decade of the two thousands and the top hundred albums that were selected by Rolling Stones, uh, panel to sort of mush some of those into the original list. And so a lot of the albums, especially in the top 100, stayed fairly similar. Uh, if they moved, it was only by a couple of spaces. And then there was this like kind of clunky block of music that had been recorded in the previous 10 to 15 years that yeah. they kind of got shoved in. And and for, I guess, reasons that were apparent at the time, they, they cut a lot of music as well. Um, now with this new list, uh, We've got, as I mentioned, 154 new albums. Uh, that brings the total for these, uh, what we really have now are four lists to 698 albums total that have appeared at least once across these four lists. The 2003, mm-hmm. the, the book in 2004, 2012 update, and now this brand new 2020 list. In 2020, they went back to the drawing board. Rolling Stone went back to their original plan in 2003 and pulled people from the industry this time they did a much better job at including women, people of color, uh, younger people. And um, I think it's a bigger list too. I have a number of like around 150 for the initial list. And this one was more like 300 people um, that they pulled to mm-hmm. get this list. And um, so just a little bit more inclusive. Um, I'll give a few uh, sort of technical detail rundown stuff here. Um, we've spent a lot of time and energy wrestling with whether or not compilation albums should be on this list. The original mm. 2003 list had 54 of them. Um, I, they cut a few for the book. There were only 41 in the book. But for some reason, 2012, they added a bunch back in. So they were back up to 54 in 2012. But I'm happy to report that they have took our advice and they've cut um, more than half. They're down to 26 out of the 500 albums for this 2020 list, their compilations, which deserves a lot. <laughs> I, I think we are going to take all the credit for that uh, decision-making pro- progress. It's, um, it's very funny, Ben, because we <laughs> we just recorded 
It came out on the Tuesday. Sunday night, we, you and I recorded for our the next album we were going to release, which was yeah. Greatest Hits, Sly and the Family Stone. And in that conversation, I even said, uh, I hope that Rolling Stone's listening and the next time they do some of this, they do a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one has heard that episode, but uh, that's... Yeah, that uh, isn't out on the air yet, but... Really uh, hilarious part but of this. May- maybe they were... Someone was tuning in was like, oh, these guys are saying this. We better do it. Um, um, the biggest decade, uh, I think every time the list has come out, has always been the 70s. That's the place where most of the music that shows up on the list is from. Um, that's still the case in 2020, but it's down from the high of 37% on the 2012 list to now 31%. And oh, we have an entirely new decade here now. Um, there was, I think, only one or two albums that were from 2011, 2012. Uh, right. And now suddenly we've got a, a big chunk of albums that have come out um, yeah. since 2012. Um, right. Across the four lists, there is only one single album that has remained in its spot all four yeah, times. That's what I was going to bring up. And oh. that is uh, the Beach Boys Pet Sounds at number two. Yeah. So. Of, huh. If nothing else, what we can say is that the second best album of all time is the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, because it's the only one that hasn't changed. <laughs> you could even make an argument that I won't make, but I think one could make an argument that Rolling Stone considers that the the actual best album of all time, because <laughs> <Absolutely. 'cause laughs> there, there's a consistency going on where, yeah. you know, if the public opinion, essentially, of other albums is rising and falling and in some cases that one stays the so Beach yeah Boys right. is like the album that everybody yeah. just kind of agrees <laughs> across like 18 years yeah yep. the number two best album of all time which i don't know there there's a consistency thing there that it just like crosses all genres and all boundaries i feel like there uh, are a few that came really close uh bob marley's legend showed up at 46 46 46 and 48 so it was two spots off this year yeah um uh uh electric ladyland uh jimmy hendrix album was 54 55 55 53 (laughs) and uh gnr's appetite for destruction one that we never got to because it's at 61 uh, it comes in 61, 61, 62, 62. So those four <laughs> albums are about as close as you can get to sort of being across the board every time. But but other than that, there is significant change through this list. I, I want to um, talk about the uh, elephant in the room first off, which is that <laughs> um, I previously was a guest on an episode where we talked about this album oh. called Trap Mask Replica. <laughs> and um, I do want to point out that it was number 60 and is no longer on the list at all. So, <laughs> wow. you know, we spent a long time. I should say I spent probably too long trying to convince you guys that it was a good album. <laughs> um, and then this new list comes out and it's nowhere to be seen. And um, it's the lowest meaning like closest to number one album that um, that fell completely off entirely other than um, Please Please Me by the Beatles which was number 30, 39 like three lists running and now isn't on the list at all so that one's technically higher but the Beatles also have like like eight albums represented so <laughs> like that's fine like they it's like they have more representation on the list than any other artist 
Um, so I just feel like one of the wildest, e even if I didn't like the album, it's still a crazy thing that they had Trout Must Replica so high up on this list. And then yep. when reassessing it, it looks like like hardly anybody included it on their ballots because it just is <laughs> not on the list at all. And so it just it's one of those things that it sounded like absolutely nothing else on this list. It's a, mm -hmm. an avant-garde like anomaly. And then um, it just, it had me thinking a lot today about like, what is the legacy of that album in particular? And yeah. how much is that really gonna matter? And um, yeah, I just found that really, really interesting, especially. I think uh, Trout Mask, we, t we touched on this in the episode with you, Brad, but the fact that you can't even stream that album on Spotify. I don't think it helps. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it. if we do have a younger voting audience here, um, you know, this was an album that Mike and I or not just hadn't listened to, but actually hadn't heard of. Right. Um, and I think the longer we go into this sort of new space of, of no one having accessibility to it, um, it probably will fade more and more into into oblivion yeah just simply for that reason if you're never going to try something you're probably <laughs> probably yeah. not going to vote for it um in that in that sort of way another um another album that we had talked about last time i spoke to you guys was uh, jagged little pill which yeah. was yeah. you know in the 300s in 2003 and then completely gone in 2012 and now is in the top 70 in this new list so it's like yeah that's this very exciting albums like that are fascinating to me that you know like the way that their legacy has just entirely shifted over the course of, of like a 20-year window of time where it's, it's so either like they've lost all their legacy or their legacy has completely come back and um you know it's it, i love tracking those kinds of things even more so than like a new number one that was previously in the top 10 and is now number one like that's cool that there's a new number one but it, it's already widely considered like a great album and one of the all-time greatest right. albums of all time and i'm really glad that that's our new number one on this list but um it's the ones that have like a radical shift that are really really interesting to me we we've lamented the lack of Canadian content in the yep. past, not just Alanis, but yes. um, one yes. of our other uh, <laughs> heroes, I guess. Uh, Rush makes an appearance finally on this. Oh, um, pictures. Maybe just a nod to uh, Neil Pert, rest in peace, or maybe yeah. because people, uh, you know, it is worthy. Um, and we also get Shania Twain and Drake shows yeah. up too. So we've got some additional uh, Canadian content here. Mm -hmm. uh, filling out this this list here now, in addition that, to Atlantis, got that Dreezy represent <laughs> in the six. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, I, I was excited about, uh, so excited about Moving Pictures. It is a tremendous album, and I was so surprised that they were not represented at all before. And I'm really interested that they are now because uh, a lot of the newer artists that are on this list are not in the rock genre yeah. um, and this is a this is a classic rock album and is prog rock at that so it's so interesting i, I want to know who like who voted for it to, yeah. to come on yeah. that's great yeah and shania uh, one of our comments on the last list last list there were like none of the really big solo female artists of the last 40 50 years are represented at all and shania twain 
was such a successful artist in the 90s and the 2000s like ridiculously successful isn't isn't come on over uh if it's not the album then it's definitely like uh like it's one of those albums where it has like more like top 10 hits than like any other album like come on over is one of the most like chart topping Oh, album yeah. of all time like almost every single song on that album is just or the single like, like a billboard top 10 single yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so absolutely. it's yeah it, it needs that representation um, there are um two artists especially that are like two of my all-time favorite artists that just had me like over the moon to see them included because they hadn't been at all um one of which was kate bush who um finally has hounds of love on here which is my like number one favorite album of all time and oh, wow. It, wow. it's never been on the list it's now number uh it's number 68 now so it's like oh, wow. top 75 so it, it you know she had no albums at all on this list um and to have like that album which is you know her her best album sort of like across the board everybody sort of like understands it as her best album um and to see it go from absolutely nothing to number 68 um just made me so happy and uh and Sade who is another artist who I just love um has never been on this list and now has two records in the top 200 I think like or the top 300 so to have representation just that spoke to me personally just made me so happy (laughs) Yeah. Just yeah. To really yeah. feel like I was being heard, even though I wasn't talking to people. <laughs> like they were reading my dreams. Yeah, it. it's it's really interesting. I I think what I, so I uh, manually put most of these in the spreadsheet and into the four hundreds. Uh, there's a lot of bands from the sixties and seventies that I have never heard of, and yes. they have stayed in the four hundreds throughout this. Uh, project over these uh, almost 20 years now and I think that is going to be something interesting to to sort of get to these albums that have lasting power they come to uh, the minds of lots of people voting in these sorts of things but never at the top they're like they're like down everybody's list enough votes to sort of be on the list but not um, be up in the familiar sort of top 100 kind of section and that will be really interesting if we ever get that far to to go through some of those um well and um somebody said a minute ago i can't remember who it was maybe it was me just that uh that all these albums that you have from the past 10 years especially that are on Mm -hmm. this list now um that they're not really rock albums you have a vampire weekend album um which is kind of a rock album i would say and you know like you have them here and there but largely it's hip-hop or pop um or i don't know you've got like uh like a latino artist like you you just have this representation that really shows rolling stone either understanding or just like is an echo of the culture that hip-hop has been like the most important genre for the past 25 30 35 kind of Mm -hmm. years um and and it it is the most important genre the most popular genre right now um and i think that you see that reflected in this new list where even a lot of the older albums that they've really 
uh, I decided to highlight and to push way up that like Purple Rain and uh, Key of Life and what's going on. Like these albums are albums that are had a huge influence on hip hop and hip hop yes. culture. And so yes. you can just see yes. a total reflection in this new list in the fact that hip hop is the most important genre and popular genre of music right now and yep. has been for a long time. Like that's why that 2012 list seemed so out of step because even then yeah. everybody was mm -hmm. like, nobody's really made a rock album in years. <laughs> like why, why are we still like focusing on rock music so much? So yeah. mm -hmm. um, it doesn't shock me that the list would look like this because I feel like the people who they're polling their favorite albums especially for like a younger person who they're polling whether like it's probably an artist in this case um like a Billie eilish she she submitted a poll and i'm sure a lot of her albums in her top 50 that she turned in were like hip-hop and pop albums um and hip-hop especially yeah. i know is a genre that is really influential for her and it's just like any artists that are working today are so influenced by that genre and by all the genres that influenced hip-hop so yes. it's so it's so indicative in all of the brand like all all of the albums from the past 10 years on here but also all of the older ones too i think i think it makes me feel old and uh, slightly out of touch for the first time uh with this 2020 list i think i felt younger and more relevant than the 2012 list and now suddenly i'm like oh there's a whole lot of new music here that i have never listened to at all um that's a an interesting posture change uh, which i think is good i think it's a good thing yeah I, th I think it's good for people to get older including us and to feel out of touch in an mm -hmm. exciting way um yeah. in a way that's like i don't really like recognize a lot of this music and like tell me more um yeah, i think yeah. that that that's how it should be like that's an exciting kind of a feeling i think yeah. if we are seeing the culture reflected back to us and it's telling us that we are still relevant the older we get like i think that's a that's an issue with the culture so that's i, I think that's that, what killed the baby boomers i think yeah, i think that <laughs> i think that it makes a lot more sense like this yeah and I think they've done a good job um, in drawing in some older artists that perhaps because of the ongoing racial justice movement have become more relevant uh, than they have been as well. Like Nina Simone and Billie Holiday are two that jumped out to me as like, these are not new albums. These are from the 50s and 60s that are suddenly on this list for the first time and rightly so and should have probably uh, with one of the earlier iterations. But there's like a correction going on too. And in um in the voting public sort of saying like look these these are seminal records right. um for our country and for this moment in time um which is great yeah um you know and it's it's fun to talk about it right now because even as we're talking i i am talking myself into realizing that a lot of the new albums that they put on here, meaning not new like they just came out, but new like they weren't previously on this list. Right. Um, it's just so, like, it's so clear to me that those, a lot of these albums are ones that, uh, that had such a major influence on the people like Drake and like Kendrick yeah. and like mm -hmm. Kanye, these artists who have just been like massive figures in the culture. Um, 
uh like Sade, she she has two albums on this list all of a sudden after having absolutely none and like drake has like a Sade tattoo that he talks about all the time like it's just yeah like yeah. it's a figure who's so important to him that him talking about Sade in like online and in interviews and stuff like that just elevates that artist in the culture so there's a lot to be said about how a lot of these artists on here who are like in their 20s and 30s or or uh like however it falls that the way that they have kind of brought older artists back into the cultural conversation i think is awesome and and just really interesting to see and is being like reflected so much in here um i don't know i i see it as i scroll through here all over the place when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys were talking about the uh, a lot of the new music, and when I say that, I mean recent music yeah. on it, and there is a lot of it. Uh, and I want to talk about the new additions, as in they weren't on the list before, and now they're on the mm-hmm. list. Um, ben, you said that um, you uh, Ben manually inputted all the all the new albums and new positions on our spreadsheet. Uh, I helped a very little bit. And the albums I did were mostly, uh, I did most of the albums between 400 and 500. And I noticed that that's where most, I think it looks like most of the new additions to this list are between 400 and 500. So I was typing in a lot of new albums and I was very surprised at how many of those albums were from the seventies and eighties and were, um, either you know r&b albums that didn't really surprise me but more like uh kind of like punk and new wave Mm -hmm. albums from that era i i was surprised at how many new additions were from i thought most of the new additions would be from like again the 90s and 2000s 2010s that's what i thought and you know i totally agree with what you've been saying brad this is I love the story that this list tells. It tells yeah. a story about the music that is being made right now and the influence of that music that's being made right now. And it makes perfect sense that the music that's popular and very successful in the last 20 years does kind of take a back seat on this list to the music that inspired it, which makes perfect yeah. sense. Perfect yeah. sense. I love it. I, but I yeah. was surprised at how much of the new albums, and I was, again, in those, that 400 section that I did, I was typing so much instead of just adding a new position. I was like, wow, there are a ton of, in quotations, old albums here Yeah, that are appearing for the first time. And, and yeah. that was, one, surprising, and two, very exciting. Sure. Um, we do have, uh, like you said, Mike, a lot of new music from other eras, but we also have... Uh, uh, very, very new music on this list as well. There are three albums from last year, from 2019. Oh, that was That's the question where... I was going to ask. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
Our, our oldest album hasn't changed at all. Our oldest album remains uh, Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours from 1955. And our newest album is um, released, at the I think, December of 2019. Yeah. Uh, Harry Styles' Fine Line, um, mm. which comes in at number 491, which to me seems awfully recent to uh, yeah. to include something like that on this list but who knows maybe it'll hold up and it'll be in the top 100 uh, well, in 8 years when they do it again <laughs> that's my question what, what do you how do you guys feel about albums from 2019 being on this list i said this yeah. to my wife i said i don't i don't know if i like this um i don't know if i like uh where do we uh the billy eilish album what's it called yeah, uh, we what we... Asleep, where do we go yes yeah As a, how do you feel about that album being on the list i i think it's too soon she says no way it's so influential it's breaking uh, boundaries it's it's like everybody's talking about it everybody loves it it's bob and you know she went on and on and on i said yeah but that happens all the time like in 10 years <laughs> is anybody i mean i know it takes a snapshot of what's happening right now yeah but and i know that every every list has a context and the context is the time frame but in terms of the grade the best albums of all time i don't know i think there should be i the example i gave was lemonade by uh beyonce came out four years ago but in those four years it's been established as a a classic album a successful album an important album uh, a meaningful album to for so many reasons but one that just came out I, I, I mean, don't know Brad jump in here what, what's interesting is that when the 2012 list came out the the newest album on that list was the smile sessions by the Beach Boys which came out in 2011 and wasn't really a new album right it was a compilation of reworking like, out, of like outtakes well it wasn't yeah. even like a reworking it was just like all their old like tapes from those sessions in the 60s um so that had come out in 2011 and then besides that there was one album from 2010 which is that kanye album um and that album made like a seismic impact and was a huge deal it's already shot up to number 17 on on this new list so um that like and then after that you had 2008 so that 2012 list had three albums from the previous four years um and then you know this 2020 list has i can't even count how many albums from the past like five years um it's packed yeah. with them. and i <laughs> i think it's great personally because i love <laughs> a lot of these albums and so just to see them recognized in their moment i think is huge um there are ones that i agree probably won't make the cut next time around necessarily but you know you have um uh, to pimp a butterfly at 19 and that that is the newest album that's highest on the list right yeah. it came out in okay. 2015 it's number 19 and that feels entirely appro- uh, appropriate that was a massive album and like immediately influential um you know and then when it comes to the 2019 ones i think i think norman fucking rockwell will stand the test of time just because it was so like brand new sounding when it came out even though it just came out a year ago and then i think that that billy eilish is also going to probably like go up on the list next time around as well um she's the youngest person to win album of the year that album did sound like kind of uh uh like um 
uh, nothing else in, mm-hmm. in popular culture when it came out. Like it, it felt like one of those albums that everybody was obsessed with. And, um, you know, I work with teenagers all day and for a full, like a year, it was just all of my teenagers talking about that album. <laughs> Eilish. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Like for me that, that feels so evident. Like if they hadn't put it here, it would be in the top 100 in like eight years from now. So for it to be here makes total sense to me. The Harry Styles one is the funniest one to me because, um, that album I don't think has made a uh, like a seismic impact. Um, it's a good album. I, I like that record, but, uh, it's definitely one of those albums that it came out and Rob Sheffield, who works at Rolling Stone, gave it this glowing review and he loves Harry Styles and it's in the bottom 10 on the list and it just feels like Rob Sheffield kind of like putting his finger on the scales and being like this album that I think was huge last year um, because he's been with Rolling Stone forever and he has like uh-huh. such a big kind of a take and um, and it just you know there, there's two Taylor Swift's album uh, uh, Taylor Swift albums on here and they're red in 1989 and I'm a big Taylor Swift kind of a fan I like her a lot um, yeah. Red and 1989 are the two albums of hers that, again, Rob Sheffield like loves more than any other <laughs> album. So I see I see things like that just from sort of like sneakily paying attention to the culture at Rolling Stone itself. You know, I can get a sense of kind of um, like who was really pushing for these albums, yeah. as they were. Um, but they're those two Taylor Swift albums that are so new. Um, I think are representative of sort of what pop music was like in the past 10 years. So it's what's most interesting to me is just how much more they like heavily leaned into brand new albums on this time around than in 2012, where they just kind of like popped one here and there on the list from the past Mm -hmm. five or 10 years, but really it was almost entirely old stuff. Um, But I, I, it excites me because I like so many of those albums. <laughs> <laughs> Something we still don't really know is how many votes these last albums on the list received, right? right. Like we have no sense of right. the 300 voters if like 10 of them uh, picked Harry Styles or if if two people selected it and that totally. was the cutoff line to get on totally. this list. So, and, and you know, Mike loves the editorial conspiracy theory line too. Oh, so if it. you want to kindle that fire as well, Brad, uh, that that's, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I, um, I, just, I think in that last 100, especially like in um, like in the four hundreds and closer to 500, you just get sometimes, well, probably more so in this list than you did in 2012. You get kind of like a dump of albums yeah. that probably there's there's more editorializing than there is in the higher up albums mm-hmm. um, where the people at Rolling Stone or whoever it is were kind of like, I think that we should make sure that this album is on our list. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, right. like, yeah. for like sure. Included. Um, and so I, like, whereas in 2012... I think we talked about it last time I talked to you guys, like those last 100 albums, you have some gems here and there, but it's kind of like a lot of crap in there as well, where yeah. you're like, I've never yeah. even heard of this. What is this like old classic rock album by like Boz Skaggs that is not going to stand the test of time. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- though that album's okay. But like, I think in this time around, you really get a sense 
in the lower end of this list that you have some really cool things in here like Shaka Khan, um, where you clearly have some artists and albums that I think that the people at Rolling Stone are like, let's be sure mm-hmm. to include this in here um, mm-hmm. because it's it's important that that we have it. Um, so it, I like that kind of stuff. Um, before we move on to, uh, you know, where do we go from here with our respective projects? There are some interesting jumps that have occurred and I'd be interested yeah. to hear some of your takes. Uh, but but I went through real quick and and tried to find the five albums that had the biggest drop and remained on the list and the five albums that had the biggest rise. So we'll start with the drops first. Um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone's Greatest Hits, uh, an album that we have recorded an episode, but we may not ever release it, uh, <laughs> or, or it may take us several years, uh, f- fell uh, 282 spots. Um, wow. It was at uh, number 61 and has fallen all that way down. Um, Al Green's Greatest Hits, another another compilation album, and maybe these compilation albums are finally learning their lesson, fell 404 spots. It was in the top uh, 60, and we've already reviewed that one, but it's near the bottom now. Um, this is an interesting one uh, for a variety of reasons, but an album that's on here not because of an artist, but because of a producer, uh, Phil Spector's Back to Mono dropped 424 spots, and... <laughs> We need to sort this out with um, our guest, but we had a fellow podcaster on and recorded album, what we thought was album number 65, which is now almost at the very end of the list. And so if we if we rate to re- put that recording out there, um, it's going to take like another 10 years. So we need to get yeah. back in touch with that guest and say, hey, how do you want us to proceed here yeah. um, with that audio that we recorded? Uh, and then the biggest drop of all, uh, the Muddy Waters Anthology, yep. has fallen 445 spots, um, wow. w- which just barely clings on, but but has fallen an awful long way. In 2012, there were three Muddy Waters albums on here. There was a live album, a studio album, and then that Greatest Hits compilation. Um, <laughs> and now all that's left is this anthology. anthology. They pushed it all the way to the end. So they were like... And he's no longer important to know. And we're just <laughs> hang on by fingertips, or as he used to be like the most important blues artist. So interesting. So I think I said those were the biggest five. Those are four uh, big major falls. Um, I'll, I'll give you the four uh, biggest jumps, uh, starting with the uh, number four. Uh, Nas's Illimatic uh, jumps 358 spots. Uh, another uh, similar kind of genre, I guess, Enter the Wu-Tang, gets up 360 spots. Um, wow. Amy Winehouse, uh, rest in peace, her Back to Black album jumps 418 spots. Wow. Um, Outcast's Aquamini, which was the number 500 album last time, uh, jumps 451 spots. And then D'Angelo's Voodoo oh. jumps 453 spots. Um, <laughs> wow. It's now, I think it's in the top 20. Is that right? Do I have that, that right? It's, there? 28. it's, it's 28. 28. Yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was that's... near the bottom of the list and um, jumped almost 500 places. And those are basically for hip hop albums. I mean, Voodoo is an R&B right, album, right. But, but he worked with, um, oh my God, with like Questlove and Black Thought and a lot of those guys with the roots on right. that album. 
it's it's very like hip hop influenced. Um, so four compilation albums drop, and yeah. four essentially hip hop R and B artists uh, get a boost. So, but, but yeah, you really know, interesting. You know the compilation album that hasn't dropped hardly at all that yeah. still annoys me so much is Legend by Bob Marley and the Wailers. <laughs> Stupid, the greatest hits album that for some reason rolling stone or like or just people i guess in general love this greatest hits album even though that is an artist that has like a bunch of studio albums that a are Mm -hmm. also on this list and b are classics in their own right so like our phil Spector album on here that makes sense because it's a collection of like a singles era sort of Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. producer and so they didn't have proper albums but this legend compilation to not fall really at all and to still be like highly regarded as this great <laughs> greatest hits album just fascinates me i don't i don't know what the like uh, uh uh longevity of that album is all about why people love that greatest hits so and i yeah. like bob marley and the whalers like i it's just why that greatest hits and not one of their studio albums so i mean it it's plays in every college dorm yeah. and every single year like it doesn't go out of style so i think it remains on here just for pop for sort of populace yeah um, and i i will say i i think it another thing more pertaining to our podcast specifically we have recorded and released a review for that it came out in april of this year and it has uh like 50% more plays uh, listens on our podcast than the next most popular wow episode right. so and it, it might be because of the influence of our guest who is who is a university student yeah <laughs> for right that. um but but i think that for almost every week since we released it uh so it's been uh 6 months since we released it almost every week it's been one of the top three listened to episodes that we. Yep. Have. Uh, yeah. So there, I and and I kept Ben. How many times have I asked you? Look at look at Legend. People are still listening to that episode. Why are people still yeah. listening to that episode? I kept asking yeah. Ben. He's like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> I and I don't think it's because Bram, our wonderful guest, has like been blasting it to his social media, trying to get people. <laughs> like I, I don't think he's doing that at all. I think no. there is something about the popularity of that particular yeah. album and that artist that strange continues to go. Uh, around the same time we released it, I saw a lot of ads on Spotify for Bob Marley, and uh, I think it was an anniversary, a birthday, or an anniversary of his passing. And there was a lot of just content for Bob Marley and the Whalers in general. And I wonder if that was just mm. a trending uh, search. Yeah, search word yeah. keyword that people were and then it was just popping up i don't know anyways yes uh i i don't i'm not annoyed at it um as the same way as you are brad because it's it's so easy to listen to it's so great but it was created for guys like us yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. white white privileged men like that and and younger yeah. men that's i think that's who they um they crafted that album for i guess i guess it's just interesting to me why something like al green's greatest hits i should preface this by saying i don't think that one of these albums is better than the other just the idea that a compilation like al Al green's greatest hits plummets 
just yeah. plummets on this list. And then uh, a, a compilation like Legend, which is the exact same thing. It's just a compilation of songs from other studio albums just yeah. stays rock solid. Like something yeah. about that. It's it's like um, Eagles Greatest Hits, which is the number one greatest selling album of all time is Eagles right. Greatest Hits. And, and, you know, like not even touching how I feel about, about Eagles, which I have a lot of thoughts. It's just, I find it so interesting when you have greatest hits compilations in general that just like hit into the culture so sharply um, because that's not true for every artist. Like it's not true for most artists that their most popular album is their greatest hits album. Right, um, right. But it's, I just, it's so interesting to me, like every now and then that happens where their greatest hits is like all that anybody wants to buy is, is <laughs> yeah. here's one last thing i think it would be interesting to talk about um is the beatles which mm. oh yeah um, we got they're it. like like the stature of the beatles has radically changed on this list and um and bob dylan like the and maybe rolling stones so i'm not as familiar with where they landed here but the beatles and bob dylan especially just like their their positions on this list St- stones there too uh 10 albums to six albums from this. oh okay so for the rolling stones they just shed four albums yeah uh, something and got know, down i think i, I oh, think it's com oh, yeah. it's a combo oh, yeah. just like dylan well um, what something that's really interesting to me is that this list um it it's as an object its opinion of bob dylan changed so much from its previous iterations where now according to to our list here the greatest bob dylan album of all time is blood on the tracks Mm -hmm. um which is you know i i just feel like i've been talking about this for the past two or three days to everybody i can where that album is fascinating to call Mm -hmm. the best bob dylan album because it's not influential in the same way that his other like earlier albums are it's not his first time Mm -hmm. going electric not like he had such a seismic impact on culture and blood on the tracks is not that album that created that impact at all it's sort of part of like mid-70s like guy with an acoustic guitar (laughs) like it sounds like an eagles album kind of like i think it's a good album (laughs) and i don't like i don't think that it doesn't like like it shouldn't be on this list or as high as it is it's just interesting to me that where it landed is that its legacy has changed so much where now people consider it to be like the pinnacle of bob dylan yeah you have like highway 61 which is like a huge album that came out it has like rolling stuff like you just have these other albums of his that made such a huge impact culturally mm-hmm. that to push them down and to raise blood on the tracks is just one of those examples of something where i saw it and i was like what like what i don't happened really here yeah happened. yeah but um, i think again to the i think it really points towards the story that's being told yes and the story that's being told is what music is being made right now and yeah. i could see the influence of um of blood on the tracks yeah. a little more now than the influence of highway 61 and i want i want to talk less about slide it. whistle yeah a little less slide. <laughs> less slide whistle, yeah i like um for example i i was i was not too happy on the last list that dark side of the moon was 43 and now it's fallen even further it's 55 <laughs> however 
who what music did that influence that influenced you know music in the 70s and the 80s is it still influencing as much music today as let's say some of the other stuff that's moved up i i guess the answer is no and so it's appropriate that it would move down even though yes so influential 20 30 years ago uh, highway 61 so influential 20 30 40 yeah. years ago um and same with i think the one album we haven't talked about yet is the the previous number one album yeah which held it for the first three editions of this list is now number 24 that's a big drop for the best album ever yeah three-time reigning <laughs> champion um but I think, again, I think it's very, very relevant, especially considering what is now, according to this list, the best Beatles album, which is Abbey Road. Abbey Road is so well put together. Yeah. It, I think it resonates in so many ways, poetically and even musically, with a lot more what's happening today than Peppers did. Um, even mm. though they were only two years and maybe three albums apart in terms of the Beatles, a lot had changed yeah, in that yeah. time in terms of what was happening in their group what was happening in the world what was happening with their music and personally and i think that abbey road has emerged as a more relevant album for yeah. today obviously uh, so uh, you know that, that those it is very interesting to see how some of those really key influential albums have moved and how some of the big artists what is now quote their best album according to this list i love it it's so fascinating to 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 think through the polished version of these classic artists being the one that gets lifted up rather than the sort of raw thing that that sort of altered music's landscape um, and and maybe says something about the polished expectation of our listening ears right right now in this moment in time we like studio produced stuff right yeah. there isn't a lot of like gritty sounds like it was recorded in an echoey room stuff being played right now it's it's mostly even the stuff that's like folky sing-alongable still sounds really really well produced um and the new avid brothers stuff sort of falls into that category uh, it's fascinating i love this idea of of this list and all of these lists telling stories um and i i feel like what we're touching on a lot as we're talking is the way that the previous iterations of this list seemed to reflect what people or what Rolling Stone considered to be like the albums that influenced like all of music history or like yeah. contemporary music history in a way um, because Sgt. Pepper's was so influential to how we produced and created albums but it's not like our pinnacle of what of, of where that technology ended up landing, mm -hmm. essentially, you know? And so uh, what we're seeing now, I think with this list, and, and we've talked about it a lot, is I think the way it looks now is a reflection of the year 2020. Like we are yep. looking at this yep. list and seeing so much of, yes, these artists and these albums feel like the most like talked about popular, but also the most influential albums on the music that is being made right now, or that has just come out. Um, and I feel like in 2012, like 2003, they were sort of looking at a scope of like 50 years or more and saying over this like whole length of time, what caused like uh, uh, the biggest changes or had like a widest uh, influence. 
and we're looking at it now and seeing artists like Rosalia and like Bad Bunny and all these new artists that I think are going to end up having a lasting impact on the way that music is produced and made now that have just come out. Um, and it's just so much more like a mirror into hmm. what life is like now and less so a mirror into like 50 years of culture. Um, hmm. I, I love to sort of consider it like that. It's so interesting to me. We, we've we gone uh, almost an hour without referencing what the number one album is now. Um, so it might be time to, to reveal what the top 10 actually is on this new 2020 list. We won't go back and catch you up on um, the earlier top 10s because um, you can do that on our podcast by finding our first 10 episodes, uh, at least for the 2012 version. And it's not hard to Google the 2003 version. Um, but so starting at number 10, um, and I should say before I go through these albums real quick, um, we only have two albums from the 2012 list top 10 that have remained on the top 10 of this list, which is, yeah. I think, a, a significant thing to point out. Number 10 is uh, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. That was a 314 on the 2012 list. It's at number 10 now. Um, we previously read referenced uh, Dylan's highest ranking is Blood on the Tracks. It comes in at number nine. It used to be number 16. Um, and I think it was the third or fourth highest Dylan album. So three or two or three yeah. albums at least have bumped below it. He had two albums in the top 10, I think, maybe in the top 15. But he, he had two right. especially that were very high up mm -hmm. before. Um, Prince's uh, Purple Rain, an artist that um, perhaps because of his passing in the years since 2012 has gotten a lot more um, play, listening um, in pop culture, certainly. Uh, his Purple Rain album was at number 76 in 2012 and, and comes in at number eight. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, uh, an album that Mike and I, I think, both have in our, in our re-ranked top tens. Uh, comes in at number seven. It was on um, 26 in 2012. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Nirvana's Nevermind, <clears throat> maybe because the, you know, the people voting remember what the grunge years were like to be a teenager then. Uh, it was number 17 in 2012. It's now number six. Uh, we've referenced that the Beatles uh, have shifted from Sgt. Pepper's at number one being their highest to now Abbey Road uh, being at number five as their highest Beatles album. They had three albums in the top five last time that abby wrote is their only one this time i mean it was number 14 on the 2012 list um stevie wonder this made me smile uh songs in the key of life one that we tackled not too long ago at number 57 is now number four um it also leapfrogged over another stevie wonder album intervisions was ranked higher than it on the 2012 list and um this one which i think is more produced and and longer <laughs> uh jumps up higher uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue, which is not necessarily uh, an album that you think of of studio production values. It is a bit more raw, um, jumps all the way from 30 to number three, and does our Canadian hearts uh, a lot of pride there. Um, and then we've mentioned the Beach Boys Pet Sounds has remained at two uh, in every iteration of this list, and it's still squarely there. And then number one, jumping from the sixth spot in 2012 to the first spot is... Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Um, whew, that's a lot. I think uh, it, 
I'm going to take some credit for this new top 10 because I think like six or seven of these albums are in my personal top 10 from our, our re-ranking shows. So um. I, I love this top 10. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great top 10. And there are a couple albums that like, I don't know that I like I would put in the top 10, but just mm-hmm. as, as a statement of intent, this top 10, I think, is is doing what it wants to do, which is to say, here is a list that is going to be a lot more inclusive and is going to be, yes. again, a reflection of our world as we see it right now. Like To have what's going on at number one, I think, is such a strong statement of intent for this list yes. to be like, yep. we are going through something as a country and as a culture that we haven't had to confront in the same outward kind of a way all together mm-hmm. as a culture in a long time and you know and the last time that we really like confronted it in the same kind of a way we had Marvin Gaye's like album come out and so I think that we should acknowledge that as the most important album um so just to see things like blue on here to see Lauren Hill in this top 10 just Mm -hmm. makes me so happy I could talk about that for three hours on its own (laughs) our story of Lauren Hill and just the way that she became a huge hit and then just crashed and fell in the culture yes. eyes and like fell off the face of the earth and now has had this huge like um, uh, cultural sort of comeback is such a great story. And I, I just love that album is amazing. Um, and I think Prince being in the top 10 totally makes sense, especially after his passing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fleet- Fleetwood Mac on here is so interesting. Um, I think that that, album has had a huge influence on a lot of pop music that has come out like to to have uh Fleetwood Mac in the top 10 and then that Harry Styles album in the bottom 10 is so reflective to me because <laughs> his like stated biggest influence is Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks oh, wow. uh, and, and you can hear it in his music so much and so I just feel like that's very intentional as well um so I I just I love it it excites me a lot it's fascinating that that Fleetwood Mac album might be the most rock album in this top 10. And it's not really that, that Rocky. Um, you have you could, a, a Nirvana, I think. I mean, yeah. Nirvana, that's, that is a rock. I, it's definitely rock. I don't always think about grunge as exemplifying yeah. rock and roll. Um, like but it's a but yeah. The rock. Yeah. Tree, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you're right. Very yeah. intensely. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Abbey road is, is experimental and it's like mm-hmm. rock pop and orchestral, but, um, maybe yeah. blood on the tracks too, but, but none I would say are like sort of what I would lift yeah. up. If, if someone said, what does rock and roll sound like? I don't think I would pick any of these 10 albums, which, you know, it says something different. I think about the way Rolling Stone has shifted from what it once was to what it is now. It's definitely the only like classic rock album on this list. I think is Rumors. I, I mean, in this uh, in this uh, top, top ten, 10. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, you I don't think I realized before you pointed it out that the one Beatles album that we have in the top ten now is Abbey Road, and it wasn't even one of the three in the top 10 previously. Right, so right. That, stuff like that is so interesting to me. I think when you get to the top 20, well, maybe the top like 15, you could kind of like shut, like scoot them all around and put them uh-huh. in different places. And they just are like the greatest albums on this list. <laughs> uh, but that, that top 10 is, is just interesting to me. 
in the sort of roundabout way we've talked about some of these um, sort of iconic classic rock or iconic artists from the past lists that have had a bit of a hit here. Um, the Beatles had 10 albums. They're down to nine. Uh, Dylan had 11 albums pre- previously. He's down to eight. <laughs> from 10 to nine. Yeah. Uh, well, and they all, and they all bumped down, I guess, with the exception of Abbey road. Um, uh, the stones have dropped from 10 albums to six. And I think without exception, they've all gone down slightly. Um, and, uh, Bruce Springsteen has dropped from eight to five. So those are like very significant sort of iconic rock bands or artists that we would point to, uh, the who is another one who've gone from seven to four. Um, you too went from five to two. Uh, so, you know, I think those are all names that we assume Rolling Stone would put in their top 500. And, and all of a sudden um, we see Kanye jump from three to six. We see uh, Joni Mitchell has added two more to have four albums in total. Now Beyonce, if you include her destiny's child has gone from zero to three yeah. um, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar also zero to three. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating kind of swap out of, of some of the establishment in this in yeah. this list. You know, um, there, there was one more thing that I wanted to touch on, which is jazz. We can talk about jazz for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember listening to maybe your uh, Love Supreme episode where you guys were talking about jazz and how appropriate, I don't know if appropriate is the right word, but sort of how much does it match to even have jazz on right. this list? Right. And I, you know, um, somebody said on Twitter that you know that this list should just exclude jazz entirely because otherwise you have a drake album that is is considered better than every jazz album ever made except for kind of right. blue <laughs> and another Miles Davis album and so like are we really trying to throw like four jazz albums on here like it, it feels mm-hmm. like, like throwing a bone to the genre um which you guys have talked about before and i just feel like it's even more apparent on this list because jazz yeah. is no longer a huge genre in the culture right. and hasn't right. like lasted really um in popular culture especially so you have what like two miles davis albums now you've got two coltrane and you have an Ornette Coleman. That's probably yeah. it. Like, I think you have like five jazz albums on here, maybe one or two more. Yeah, uh, there'd be jazz adjacent stuff that that draws on jazz yeah. themes and lots of this music. Um, and I, I mean, so I think this is the struggle, right? Like there's more country now, but it still feels kind of tokenizing. There's more pop music, but, but they haven't like rushed to put a whole bunch of like top 40 pop music right. in here. Um, so it is still kind of biased in its genre while being more inclusive, but you, you have these problematic points like you're, you're pointing out here of, you know, has jazz stopped becoming uh, great? Is that what we're saying now? With this? Well, like, you know, a, a lot of what, well, maybe not a lot, but you have a couple of albums on here that, that are jazz albums that mm-hmm. I think are on here because they were hugely influential to other genres. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like, I think the Ornette Coleman album is still on here, Shape of Jazz to Come. And that album was hugely influential um, to um, to things like punk rock and like rock of its era. And it, it like made a huge splash and was a big deal. Um, yeah. And you have like a Charles Mingus album is on here as well. And that was hugely influential to other styles of music as well. Um, so like, 
when it pops up like that, it makes sense to me because they're kind of recognizing that there are some albums in this sort of like curio genre that we're sort right. of saying are is like not really a genre that is popular anymore but there are some albums that have like transcended that genre to way a big influence on other genres that are popular but then you have an album like kind of blue which just feels like you have to include it because it's the most popular album of its genre <laughs> of all like kind right, of right. perfect album and is the most popular jazz album ever made so but it's not hugely influential to a lot of other genres it just is like the pinnacle in a lot of ways of its own genre so it it does kind of feel like like go all the way and really put jazz on here or stick to the handful that that really had a big influence on <laughs> culture like i it's just yeah. it leaves me scratching my head in a lot of ways mm-hmm. well and it is people's opinion too so it may just show that um you know in as much as uh, Marley's legend continues to get played. Uh, people just aren't buying and putting on jazz records in the way that they used to be. So, yeah. Well, so where does this leave us? Um, why don't we start with you, Brad? Do you have any intention of going back to your um, massive 500 album project and adding 154 new essays to it? Or does that just feel uh, like that project had a time and a place and, and it's in the rearview mirror for you? I think it's the latter, but I love projects. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> the, idea, the idea of doing another cool project or like revisiting it, it like it excites me, but I don't really have any plans to go back and do it. I'm honestly happy that I got through the whole thing and, um, and it's archived still online for anybody to go and check it out. And it is sort of like a, like a pin in a certain time and place that I, that I think works nicely. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm running a totally different project about, about, um, like other stuff and movies. And, um, I just started to put together a zine about Hounds of Love that, that, uh, uh Kate Bush album, and, you know, I'm writing for a couple different other projects that other people are running. So I just have a lot on my plate right now. So I think just that, that aspect of it, of like putting another thing on top of the three other projects that I'm involved in doesn't, uh-huh. really excite me. but I also think just over that, I, I'm happy to do the work that I did, um, and just like leave it be and just be excited that that they are updating it and moving forward as well. That's that's wise, I think. Well said. You're not committing to anything, but it so- sounded like you've left the door open a crack if inspiration would hit. And uh, yeah, brilliant. I can't wait to see what comes. I think I think especially especially during this pandemic times. Yeah. You know, anything that can keep me occupied and keep my brain <laughs> occupied with something else other than like terror that's going on in the world is going to yeah. be so much joy. <laughs> Just the idea of like having something else to focus a lot of energy into. So, you know, if I finish all the things I'm working on and then the idea pops into my head to go back and revisit some of these RS things, it's mm-hmm. possible, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What what are we thinking, Mike? Uh, we've talked about uh, several different possibilities for where we yeah. go from here. It seems like the the one that 
the two of us are least enamored by is just continuing on our journey with the 2012 list. Like, yeah, tomorrow we, releasing episode 61 just doesn't feel <laughs> quite appropriate at this point. No, we both we we want to we don't want to stop <laughs> doing what right? we're doing. We're enjoying right. what we're doing. It doesn't seem to make sense anymore to continue with that list because it was already becoming somewhat less relevant uh even mm -hmm. to, you know even stagnant but it was interesting and and it was the newest list we had to go back to it now it just doesn't seem to make sense uh so uh i think that we both agree that we we want to start with this new list uh we've talked about where do we start you know brad did the class you guys did the classic uh countdown started at 500 worked your way towards one we know that uh, comedian podcaster Josh Adam Myers was doing a podcast started about four months before we did uh, discussing these albums uh, with uh, celebrities and comedians and artists. And he started from 500. We started from one. And, and he, he's I not think, very happy right now. He's been dropping some uh, F-bombs on Twitter about. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> I he you know, and he's, well, he had a lot of a pretty big following and had, mm -hmm. and had some major guests on mm -hmm. uh, in the, in the comedy and film industry and music industry, like some, some big names. Uh, so he was, he really had, I think a lot of momentum. So that kind of, yeah, that's a, that's a probably a tough pill to swallow for him. <laughs> um, but I think we want to start from number one again, and uh, we're not exactly sure about the format and what do we do with all the, recordings we've already done what do we do when yeah. we get to uh an album we've already reviewed do we review it again do we just upload our old recording uh so we're still figuring out some of those details but mm -hmm. um we want to as you might know we're already in the middle of a of a break between seasons it's been a few months we were gearing up to get some new recordings and start editing and we were probably two or three weeks away from starting our fourth season uh with album number 61 and so it kind of, it's kind of sort of, I, I guess, makes sense that, well, we'll just pick up. We were going to start up soon anyways, and we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Thank heavens this didn't come in the midst of a stretch where we were like releasing albums as usual. Yeah. Uh, that would have been where, quite jarring, but this gives us five, some space Five to albums in the hopper that yeah. we had, were editing. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep you all updated. Yeah. I, I think it does make sense to quote unquote start over we we don't have any plans on deleting the 60 episodes that are up there i think no. those will continue on regardless of whether we re-record or re-release um with some some new material um but the order and pace and speed all of that thing uh, still still to be determined i guess you could say um yeah well it's been an absolute pleasure brad uh you were one of the first yeah. people that we thought of to to process this out loud and uh <laughs> And it's been a gift again to have your voice with us. Um, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, and and I guess all three of us have shown some restraint. We didn't talk for three hours this time. So um, <laughs> even though we probably could have. Yes. Yeah. Um, my only request is that if you guys are starting from the beginning, um, hold a spot for me for Hounds of Love, if you wouldn't okay. mind. It is number 68. And it is my favorite album of all time. I'm obsessed with it. I just love it so much. So if nothing else, I want to be back to talk about that album. 
Perfect. Yeah, and if there's something else before then, <laughs> that's a while away. Let there is so much, I'm sure. So I'll be around. <laughs> Sounds good. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.